step on up, sit down, twist off that bottle top, or crack open that can. And welcome to Porch Matters. This is Terry Cagle coming to you from my back porch. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. The name of this show is Authentic. On Porch Matters, our saying is this. Big issues or just a friendly conversation. No topic is off limits. We take pride in being able to talk about anything with each other in an open discussion. Open discussion is one of the only ways to learn. Your perspective could be changed. You could change the perspective of others. Friends and family, welcome back to another episode of Porch Matters. I'm glad you're here. Before we go any further, I want to give all you ladies that are listening to the sound of my voice the recognition you deserve. To all of you that are mothers, some of you ladies have been blessed to have children and raise them. Some may have become a mother by adopting children or marrying someone who already had children. There might be some of you that have lost children and are not able to get a hug from them today. Ladies, happy Mother's Day to all of you that can hear me. I hope all of you had a great day today. James Brown was absolutely correct when he sung the words, It's a man's world, but it would be nothing without a woman or a girl. I know I am a lot biased and I make no apologies for that, but I think I have the best mother ever, and I want to give a special shout out to her because I know she's listening. I was going to get her on the show for a few minutes to introduce y'all to her, but she is feeling a little bit under the weather this week. She is my biggest supporter and my best friend. I know raising me wasn't the easiest thing to do. She, along with my dad, sacrificed a lot for me. God knows I got a lot of whoopings growing up. I may not have gotten everything that I wanted growing up, but I always had everything I needed. I've told her just like I told my dad, if I'm ever blessed with a child of my own, I'm going to do my best to raise he or she just as I was raised, and I think that's the best compliment that I could give. Denzel Washington said it best when he said, A mother is a son's first true love. A son, especially that first son, is a mother's last true love. I'm a proud mama's boy. I love you, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. For the food review this week, I rode up to Hartsville, Alabama and met a friend of mine named Shane Aletto at Pizza Ed, right in the middle of downtown off of Highway 36. I know on a lot of reviews you have heard me say that I had a ribeye steak. Now, I love steak, but I also love me some pizza. I have had a big love for Chicago-style pizza for a few years now. Closest place I knew I could get good Chicago-style pizza for the longest was a place in Nashville. Then, I heard about another place in Birmingham. I was flipping through social media and stumbled upon Pizza Ed, and I saw they had Chicago-style pizza. So, I had to try it. And it did not disappoint, y'all. Staff was very nice. Parking was a pain in the butt because it was right in the middle of town. But the food was awesome. I ordered a Chicago-style pizza with pepperoni, beef, and sausage. Also had an order of cheese sticks there that were great. No, I did not get it all late. I brought some of it home. I know what some of you were thinking. <laughs> I plan on going back real soon. I encourage you to do the same. If you happen to be in driving distance of Hartzell, swing by and give Pizza Ed a shot. 
Pizza Ed is definitely hashtag fat boy approved. Would you rather question last episode was would you rather eat fast food burgers every night or eat Chinese takeout every night? On the Facebook page, Robert Dominguez from Bigfoot Club says, I would go with Chinese only because of the different combinations. Karen Lauderdale says Chinese takeout. In the Facebook group, Jessica Nelson says, I would probably say Chinese because I love sesame chicken and wontons. Neil Hiller says, of the choices, Chinese. But if I had the choice, Mexican would be every meal. Marinelle Saunders commented on Neil, said, I agree with those options. I choose Chinese, but Mexican is the way to go. Victoria Joyce says, I eat Asian food 365. Elizabeth Stanley says Chinese most definitely. Mark Watkins says I love burgers but would probably get tired of them. At least with Chinese, there's a greater variety. On Instagram, Lindsay Rowland, Carry On Podcast, says Chinese. Hiller Custom Woodlines says throw Mexican in there and you have my answer. On Twitter, Alabama Cannabis Coalition says Chinese definitely. Many more options on their menu. Z1Pod says burgers because there's way too much salt in Chinese food and I'd end up looking like this. And he posted a gif of a dried up dying creature. (laughs) In the shed with Wes Anderson said Chinese food for me. Big thanks to all of you who commented. I really appreciate it. The new question this episode is based off the conversation you are about to hear. Would you rather be Batman or be Superman? This was easy for me. I would rather be faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound, Superman. I can relate to Superman as far as him always having trouble fitting in or relating to people. He always just wants to blend in with the crowd and not stand out even though he was sent to this earth to stand out. I paraphrase this in the conversation you are about to hear, but this is the actual quote. Batman said this about Superman. It is a remarkable dichotomy. In many ways, Clark is the most human of us all. Then, he shoots fire from his eyes, and it is difficult not to think of him as a god. And how fortunate we all are that it does not occur to him. What say you? Please go to the Facebook page, Facebook group, Instagram, or Twitter and comment your answer. I can't wait to read them. Next episode, I will read your comment on the show. On this episode, John Ware comes on the porch. He is the creator of the movie Three Days Dead and the show Town of the Living Dead. He shares his story of growing up in Walker County how Three Days Dead and Town of the Living Dead came to be. We also talk about the new project he is working on, and we share our thoughts on the new Batman movie. John, I really appreciate you coming onto the porch, and just like I say in the conversation, you've got an open invitation anytime you want to come on, sir. Without further ado, let's get started. John Ware, welcome to the porch, my friend. How are you? I'm good, brother. How are you? 
any better i don't guess i could stand it it's been a beautiful day today that's for sure yeah um i've been cooped up in the office all day i'm uh i started working from home so i've been i've been in the office all day today understand i'd have to at least open up a window or something i got to get some windows open i I got got the window open i got to get some vitamin d yeah i got the window open my uh my cats tend to spend the day with me when i'm up here so how's that work out for you Pretty, pretty good they uh they just get in the window and they occasionally have a scrap but they figure it out and either one of them runs off or they they figure it out and make up <laughs> if you hear anything going on in the background my neighbor's building a porch and a ramp about 50 yards from me so that's part of the downside i guess of recording on the back porch but it is what it is if it works it works man if it works it works so you still living in jasper yeah i'm uh we just bought a house here about three years ago. So uh, me and my wife, we uh, we've got our own little homestead set up, I guess. <laughs> I, I have to be completely honest. I know of you, and I've seen you a time or two out and about a month, out around town, I guess, or at Radio Shack or something. But me and you've never really had a conversation, so I don't really know that much about you. Huh. I don't. I don't think we have either. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same type of situation. I've seen you around. I think we've met a time or two, but one of us was always busy and had to run off, I believe. Right. I mean, I'm sure I've seen you at the radio shack or restaurant or something. So, yeah. Tell me a little bit about yourself. How'd you grow up? Where'd you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Dora. Uh, My grandparents raised me. Um, That's a, that's a different ball of wax for a different show, I believe, but um, I grew up in Dora. My grandparents took care of me and, uh, went to, went to T.S. Boyd. And, uh, then I went to Summit to Christian, graduated from Summit to Christian in 98, left there and went to, uh, the 13th grade of, uh, Bevel State for about right. four years. <laughs> um, and then I left Bevel and finished at UAB in 2000. Hang on. I forget. 2006. I had to look at my diploma on the wall. <laughs> I grew up in Dilworth, right across the highway, a little ways. I yeah. went to I went to Summerton Elementary and then started at Dora, but then I transferred to Summerton Christian. I graduated in 2000. Okay. So we, we just missed just each other. Just missed one another. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're talking about, about the 13th grade. Folks, if yeah. you're listening to us and don't know what we're talking about, Summerton Christian School is right next to Summerton Church of God. It's actually on the same property, if I'm at least it used to be anyway. By the 13th grade, I mean, we literally went across the street to Bevel State Community <laughs> College. That's exactly what it felt like. It felt exactly like the 13th grade. No disrespect to Bevel State whatsoever, but whenever everybody that you went to school with just goes right across the street, it kind of feels that way. We just switch buildings. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> so what got you into filmmaking? You know, I mean, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I had a, I had an advisor, you know, and they're like, Hey man, you're always talking about, cause I'd switched majors three or four times already. That's why it took me four years at a community college. So I just had an advisor and we started talking and they're like, what do you want to do? Like, you're always talking about movies and stuff. And you're always like, 
writing creative stories and, you know, working on creative writing projects and whatnot. Why don't you try film? And I thought, well, we're in Alabama and there's not really anything around close enough that would be considered film school. But then she said, what about broadcasting? And so UAB has an excellent broadcasting program. All of the professors knew why all the students were there. You know, they're like, we're here to make films because Sidewalk Film Festival at the time was just starting to ramp up, you know, and be a thing. And uh, all the professors there knew we were there for filmmaking. So they taught it pretty much as a filmmaking course. How long did that last? I was there three years. So I had an extra hours or extra, extra year of credits at Bevel that transferred over. So it only took me three years to get a four year degree at UAB, but it actually took me seven years to get a four year degree with all the changes. With that communications degree, did you go into any kind of radio or anything like that? Man, you know, I focused so heavily on the filmmaking aspect of it that I did not. I, I like the idea of radio. I've done some uh, radio programming here and there, but nothing professionally. Well, I say nothing professionally. I've, I've been on some, you know, real radio stations, but I wasn't there as a professional. You know what I mean? I was a guest or my buddy's like, hey, come in and help me with this for a little while. So I did um, that kind of thing. So. I started to work at the Walker County jail around 2008. And I remember around 2013 or so, one of my coworkers was an extra in one of your films. Yeah. Three days dead was the zombie film that, that put me on the map, I guess, or took me off the map. However you want to look at it. Cause we worked on that thing forever. And you know, that, that led into the sci-fi show that we did about the film. I love it. And I hate it both at the same time. It's one of those things. Why is that? Why do you love it and hate it? Well, you know, I put so much of myself into it for me to not get the reward that I expected, I guess. You know, being on a major television network, I thought, hey, man, this is a break for me, you know, and everybody else involved. And it just didn't turn out that way. We had a bad time slot. People didn't watch because they were watching other things. Maybe I wasn't good enough, entertaining enough. I don't know. It's probably a, a, a whole cornucopia of things that led to the downfall. Kind of get in your head and start wondering what if on everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's been a what if, what if situation the whole time, you know. I'm, I mean, I'm still working on other things, um, and I have been the whole time. I just, it just kind of that little devil on your shoulder, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That just kind of questions you the whole way. What were some of the, uh, if you can, the downfalls other than the time slots and everything? I think we're combining both. Let's let's start with the movie first. How was the movie versus the reality TV show or the TV show that you done? What do you mean? Um, the the reality show was like a like a making of type deal. Um, with the, with the movie, man, we had, it's just money issues. We had a very small budget and at first we couldn't afford to pay anybody. 
you know, and then we lost, we lost a few actors because we couldn't pay anybody. Uh, unfortunately, they were main characters <laughs> and had to be replaced. So just different issues, man. We, we went through three different casts, main cast, you know, the zombies pretty much stayed the same the whole way through. But as far as main characters go, we, we changed actors three times on two of the main characters, three, three of the main characters, actually. It's not the 4th of July. Apparently somebody's firing shots around here. Like, I don't know what they're <laughs> doing. It's Dilworth, brother. You don't know never you don't ever know what you're gonna get around here. No, I I've been I've been there. My uh one of my best friends in high school lived in uh in Coon Creek. So Oh Lord have mercy. <laughs> it's a whole yeah, it's it's a whole other animal now than what it used to be. All of us grew up, I guess, but I always heard stories. You didn't go to Coon Creek around Halloween. Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard. We uh we would go out exploring the the ins and outs of the neighborhood you know late at night oh yeah um and we had talked about i had talked about um i talked about empire on another podcast i did a few weeks ago and my buddy that i'm talking about now he he shot me a text message he's like sir you're gonna have to correct that i don't live in empire i lived in coon creek so (laughs) Well, there's people that'll get it. That'll absolutely get upset if you mistake Coon Creek for Empire. Yeah, sure. that's like me. I live in Dilworth, but I have an Empire mailing address. Everybody yeah. just thought, "Oh, how's things over there in Empire?" No, I'm I'm in Dilworth. It's, it's like I appreciate the shout out to Joe Weldon Road, but that's not Empire. That's Coon Creek. That is straight up Coon Creek, brother. <laughs> so I spent lots of lots of days over there. As far as your experience goes, I I've had a fellow by the name of Steve moon on here before he wrote and directed a couple of movies. And he talked a little bit about the ins and outs of why he goes through. What are your, what's your mindset, mind frame? Are you strictly about horror or are you branching out into other top other subjects and other topics or anything like that? You know, when I started, when I started filmmaking, I, I wanted to do just horror, but the new project I'm working on, I've actually been working on it for a while. I've been trying to tweak the script to get it just right. Um, it's a, uh, it's crime drama. It's a, it's a Southern, Southern crime drama. Okay. About uh crime and corruption in a small Southern town. We wouldn't know anything about that, would we? Not a, not a thing, man. Not a thing. <laughs> you, whenever you sit down to write, because I'm I'm sure you pretty much create everything from start to finish, unless you have some help. Do you? Whenever you start writing, do you just get in the zone and just stay with it? Do you just set time out to write just this, that, and the other? How how do you do it? You know, uh, anybody any screenwriters I know that are going to be listening to this, they uh they're going to yell at me because I don't normally sit. I set aside time every day, but I don't go into it like, okay, I've got to write for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. I will write until there's nothing left or I will write until I just get tired of it. You know, it's definitely a process. And, and sometimes I'll have to leave something for a while. 
and come back to it weeks later and be like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. Let me let me talk to these characters and see what's going on. It's literally I'll take out a I'll take out a pad and a piece of paper, you know, along with my computer and I'll just sit down and I'll start writing questions that I need answered, you know, because mm-hmm. each you know, each scene is going to need a, a beginning, a middle and an end, just like the entire movie. It's a it's a series of beginning, middle and end, you know. Um, Three so acts. I sit down. Yeah. And it, it, within the within each act, it, there's also a series of. I need to get from point A to point B, but how do I do that? You know, what happens in the middle between him leaving his front door and him showing up at the police station? Does anything happen? Do I need to show it? Do I need to talk about it? And most of the time, sometimes it's like, no, he just needs to walk out of his front door and basically walk in the door at the police station. You know what I mean? And that's an example from my current project. But yeah, you know, I don't, I don't sit down and and go, okay, I'm going to write for an hour because, you know, there's distractions. There's always distractions, whether it be something outside the house or the phone ringing or text coming in or whatever. And I know I should do better time management, but it works for me in the, in the, at the end of the day, you know, and everybody has their own process. So everybody's different. Well, you've got to find your inspiration and everything. And I mean, I know with me, I, I dabbled a little bit with creative writing a little bit, you know, in my younger days, I couldn't just sit there and just come up with something just right off the bat. I had to be inspired about it. I'd go throughout my day or whatever. And then if something popped in my head, I'd, I'd write it down, but then I'd try to revisit it later and then expand upon it. Kind of like what you was talking about a minute ago. Once I got it rolling, I'd keep going until it just, there wasn't nothing else there. You never know when when that inspiration is going to hit, though. So it's a good thing, you know. I always usually keep a notepad or something close, but you know I've got a, a digital computer or a computer in my phone in my pocket at all times, so I can just take notes on there. But the bad thing about that is, if I put a note in my phone and I'm not like actively remembering it, I'll forget that it's there. Yeah. So I literally have post-it notes everywhere. You know, so that I know, okay, I've I've got this, my keyboard on my computer is covered in them. You know, I have to move them around sometimes to make, to actually like type. But um, and that's the thing, man. If if I can't see it, I don't remember it. It doesn't exist anymore. I'm the same way at work. I've got post-its everywhere about this, that, and the other. People talk about their organized mess. I understand it. And I have since high school. I call mine sometimes organized chaos. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've used that phrase before to describe my process is like, it's chaos, but at the end, you know, like the universe chaos came together. <laughs> How were you able to get onto sci-fi? You know, they called me. Um, actually sci-fi didn't call me a company that makes reality TV contacted me and said hey you know we've we've heard about your film we've heard about your struggles we think it would make an excellent reality tv show um a making of and that process went you know they would come down and they filmed what they called the sizzle reel which is basically just a like a trailer for the show that they wanted to do and then they pitched it to a bunch of different networks and sci-fi was the network that bit 
you know, that was going to pay us the most. Have you still got a decent relationship with sci-fi to be able to pitch something else in the future? Man, I do not. Like, I don't, I don't, I haven't been in contact with any of those people in forever. And when I, whenever I had tried, it's like they gave me the cold shoulder and kind of brushed me off. You know, I'm just like, come on, man. You know, you, you, you come down here and you, you made me look bad for one. And then you're just going to give me the brush off and act like I don't even exist anymore. Yeah. Now I, I have people that argue with me and say that they didn't make us look bad, that it, that they loved the show, you know, but I still, I believe that personally, I feel like they kind of made us look bad. I can understand where you would come from on that, but I think that you made the area and the County and everything proud showing somebody from here could actually get to the level that you got. I appreciate that. I really do. Makes me feel good in my heart. <laughs> I hope so. Cause I'm being honest, yeah. you know, I, I looked at it like, Hey, Walker County boy did good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we've had so much other negative stuff, you know, around here that I thought, well, what the heck, let me try and do something positive. You know, they could have painted it in a better light but they all claimed that they knew what made good television. Obviously they were wrong in this instance because they, it was the time slot. You know, I talk about the time slot a lot, but what people don't understand is sometimes networks will put shows that they don't want to succeed in a bad time slot. Right. So we were up against sons of anarchy in their final season. Whew. Same time, same night, same everything. My God. You know, that, that, and then not only you don't, you don't, you didn't go up against Sons of Anarchy in their final season. I mean, that was top notch. I mean, that was yeah. that was just like Yellowstone is right now, or like Walking Dead was for a while before they started well, see, slipping. I didn't, uh, but that wasn't all right. So right. <laughs> the first. So we had we had an hour, which was two episodes that they aired back to back. So they were like 30 minute episodes, two episodes back to back. And then right after that, we had an hour of rerun. Right. So we had our initial run from like eight to nine, <laughs> which was Sons of Anarchy. And then from nine to ten, when they reran our when they when they reran the show, Supernatural was on. So from eight to nine, I'm fighting Jack's. And from nine to 10, I'm fighting the Winchesters. And then in the fourth week was the World Series. So I was fighting, you know, the Boston Red Sox at that point. Right. Whenever you're behind the camera or in front of the camera, are you happy to be there? Are you feeling like that's what you were called to do or what you were put on this earth to do? It is a very zen moment at first. And then I remember that nobody wants to listen <laughs> <laughs> and that these are grown people that I'm having to tell exactly what to do because I've created this world that they're now living in. You know what I mean? Okay. It's a very Zen moment. And then it can be overwhelming too. you know, at the same time, it's the most, it's my place. And then it's also something that I want to burn down at the same time. And a lot of filmmakers have that have that same idea. It's like you're here, you've created this world, you've brought all these people together. 
Now you got to tell them what to do and get them to perform. And they're not children, so they're not going to listen to every single word you say with bated breath. You know, it's like, you know, these are grown people. And uh, and they say never work with kids or animals, but I think I could work with kids sometimes better than I could grown men. Well, that's understandable. I'm sure you, the people that you're working with are looking at it like, I've been doing this for so long, this, this, that, and the other, blah, blah, blah. I think I, or I've read this script enough where I know what my character would do. And you've heard stories like that all the time. How big of a struggle is it sometimes to get an actor or an actress to do exactly what you're wanting to do? It it can be a struggle and it can be the most glorious experience ever, you know? And, and sometimes you're feeling your way through it. You know, you're like, okay, do this. And then they do it and you're like, no, 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 that's wrong. Try it this way. And then that's not quite right. But then they can combine the two and then you get magic, you know, and it happens a lot. And then sometimes it doesn't happen at all. I guess that's like with any other collaboration, wouldn't you say? Yeah. You know, music, music wise, um, anybody that's done any kind of artistic endeavor they understand it's it's trial and error right um it's 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 art and it's subjective but you know when you're the one that you're trying to tell them okay this is this is the way i need it i don't need you to act like a spoiled 13 year old i need you to act like you just walked into wall street you know and are about to make seven and a half million dollars off of one off of one you know deal you know what I mean? Right. There, there's a difference there. Some people want to play whiny characters and some people want to play like real assertive, but you, you, that goes back to the actor. It's him, him or herself. I guess you have to know what person will fit each part, you know, and what person will just because they look like the part person you had in mind when you wrote it doesn't mean they can act their way out of a wet paper sack. And I'm not saying I had that problem with anybody. I'm just, in general, you know what I mean? I know exactly sometimes you, you find mean. somebody, sometimes you find somebody and you're like, that person would look amazing in this part, but can they act? And that's the most important part of it is can they act? I just looked out the window and realized it's dark outside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's getting dark quick on your new project that you was talking about small town. Have you got any of the details down to where you could share a little bit with us or are you just going to leave it at what you've got? Well, you know, I, it came to me again. It was one of those moments of inspiration. People may not that aren't from here. Don't know what the mountain Eagle is. The mountain Eagle is the local newspaper. And you would see these stories, you know, this guy overdosed over the weekend or, you know, the, the county sheriff is investigating an overdose or a meth lab or whatever, right? But right. it really hit home. There was a weekend, and I I just threw away – actually, I didn't throw it away. I probably got in a drawer somewhere. Um, but there was a weekend where 22 people overdosed in the same weekend. And I knew some of these people. And I was like, I didn't know that they had a drug problem. Right. And the thing is, with whatever that was that weekend, they didn't have to have a drug problem. They could have just picked the wrong weekend to try whatever. You know what I mean? 
I know exactly what you mean. But the the irony is that two weeks previous to that, I nearly lost a family member for the same thing to the same stuff. Somebody found them, and like if they had been another five minutes, they wouldn't have made it, you know. And so that all kind of hit me really hard. And I thought, and it wasn't it wasn't the fentanyl thing wasn't as widespread at the time as it is now. It was just like the the very beginning, right? And I thought to myself, you know, somebody has to do something. Somebody has to bring some sort of awareness to this just because people think that we're a bunch of hillbillies around here. And all we do is like drugs and have kids, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But people don't understand the impact of all that, you know, and where, what we have to deal with when we live in the town and we know the people. And again, it wasn't necessarily junkies that were, that were overdosing that weekend. There were several people that was like, I didn't even know they had a problem and they didn't necessarily have a problem. They just got a hold of the wrong stuff on the wrong weekend. And it just kind of, it kind of went from there. And I, I took a lot of, a lot of information from a bunch of different news stories and kind of combined them together to make one, one week's worth of information. You know what I mean? Or a, a story that lasts over the course of a couple of days. So there's elements from Carrie Lawson's case and there's elements from that drug weekend. And there's just different, different things that I picked and chose to put together things I saw on TV, on television nationally. There's a, there's, there's a suicide in the film that I ripped directly from an episode of unsolved mysteries. <laughs> Cause it was a very interesting way to commit suicide. Not that I'm, I'm not condoning suicide in any manner, but this guy, he basically used a, a tub of water and a lamp <laughs> and a wall socket. You know, he made a, he made a homemade electric chair, basically. Right. I was like, I got to put that in the film, you know? <clears throat> I see exactly where you're coming from. So I, I enjoy horror movies and maybe it's because of where I've worked before. Or, you know, because I worked at the county jail, I've, I've got a dark sense of humor. I guess that's what yeah. you would call it. In horror movies, I'm that guy who wants to see the the most gruesome stuff that there is. Uh, take Hostel, for example. Whenever everybody was cringing and whenever that little chick was had half of her face burned off with the Butson burner, I, I was laughing yeah. about it. Yeah, uh, I mean, maybe I need to go see a psychiatrist. I don't know, but uh, I find <laughs> horror movies in a lot of sense are like a comedy to me. Yeah. Good, no, bad, or it. indifferent. It is what it is. I get it. Um, you know, and I feel like I feel like when people when this one gets made, when people watch it, they'll be like, there's some there's some horror elements in it. Yeah. You know, but it is at it, you know, at its heart, it is still that that crime crime drama. You know, I jokingly say it's like law and order Walker County, but it's not really because we don't get to the court part of it. But um, you know, and the the main thing I've been tweaking over the past couple of weeks has been the the detective work, right? Like I didn't want them to solve the crime accidentally. Right. And I feel like for the longest time 
when I'm just regurgitating ideas onto the page, that's where I was at. I was at the point to where it's like, well, they just stumble into this. Nobody's doing any actual work, but showing up and, you know, showing up to work and then somebody's walking in the office with a clue, you know? So that's been my hardest part. Um, you know, the sad part is in a lot of instances and a lot of cases, they are solved on accident. Accidentally. Yeah. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's real life it really is. Yeah. What Ted Bundy got found or was actually arrested or something like that because Hey, it wasn't because everybody was able to track him down through evidence and whatnot. Hey, didn't he get picked up on either a traffic stop or a busted taillight? Something like that. Yeah. Something, I mean, just something random and routine like that. And it just happened to fall in the, he just happened to fall in their lap. So, I mean, and stuff like that happens all the time. What, what kills me is some of the cases where they actually interviewed, uh, I think the green river killer, I think they had interviewed him at one point. And let him go. Yeah. And then years later, when it came out, this is the guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. So, and they're like, you know, we we cat we had this guy and we let him go. Now, how does that make a police officer feel? Ooh, a detective, like a pile know? of crap. <laughs> hey, I gotta tell you, if if that had been me. I might have went home and ate the better end of a bullet for that one. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because all the lives that he could have saved had he just pushed just a little harder. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, it's neither here nor there. They caught him. He's done. But, um, yeah. did you, but yeah, ever, like, I didn't. Go did ahead. You, I'm sorry. That's, I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But did you ever read that article that the Washington Post put out uh, several years ago about Walker County and the opioid abuse that we, that we had going on at the time? I did. I did. And that was part of that. Again, that, too, was part of the story that I was working on. You know, it was part of what drove it further. Very accurate. Like, very accurate yeah. description. Yeah. I watched... Uh, um, there's a show on the, on uh, Hulu. It's called Dope Sick about the opioid crisis um, that was OxyContin, you know? Yeah. And how they targeted certain communities for that. And they, you know, they lied and said, no, it's not addictive. It's fine. Or you can't get to, you know, the, the OxyContin thing, it was like a time release deal, right? And they're like, oh, you can't, you can't get past the time release coating and all you had to do was lick it and like wipe it on your shirt and it was gone. Yeah. I just, it, it, it amazes me at the, the amount of faith people put in big pharma after all that. I agree wholeheartedly. I've never been a big marijuana person. Matter of fact, I've never smoked it at all, but the research and everything that I've looked into there's so many more benefits and everything from that plant. I don't understand why it's still why it's at least not decriminalized. I've had a lady from the Alabama Cannabis Coalition on this show two or three times. Her name's Marty oh, wow. Shelper, and you know there's a lot between the between the medical benefits as well as if just decriminalizing it. Prohibition taught this country absolutely nothing. Um. I personally feel like that if they would have at least decriminalized it, 
a while back, we wouldn't be in the shape that we were in, especially in this area with the opioid and the pharmaceutical abuse that we have. Yeah. Well, you know, big pharma can't really make money off of something that people can plant in their backyard. <laughs> exactly. You know, and it's all, it's all about money. Um, and it was all about the reason. And a lot of people don't know this. Um, the reason marijuana was criminalized was because Richard Nixon was looking at his, uh, at his opponents. Right. And he said, who are the people, who are the people that I can't overcome right now? And it was, it was the black community and the hippie community. And he's like, I can't lock them up for being black and I can't lock them up for being hippies. What can I lock them up for? You know? And so he, he silenced his opponents by making marijuana illegal, you know, and marijuana, it wasn't even called marijuana until then. It was still cannabis. Yep. They, they used racially charged sentiments to get it, to get this bad image in people's heads. Marijuana was the Mexican word for it. Yep. If you smoke this, the Mexican man will get your woman, you know, they did the same thing with opium, opium dens in San Francisco. You know how they shut all the how they shut all those down in a controlled environment where people weren't overdosing. They had problems for sure. Oh, yeah. it, then it was then it was the yellow man will get your woman. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Everything and, and they they've tried to get everything everything racially motivated. Each each side has always used race as a as a tool to make the other side look bad. Oh yeah. You know, and, and, and to get their way, right. I have a ton of useless knowledge. So if I get off tangent here, just to uh, overlook me or we, you ain't, like, off hey. tang- <laughs> you ain't off tangent. It's like I say, Hey, this is just a conversation between friends. We can go anywhere you want to go. And, you know, I've never seen, I've never seen two potheads want to tear each other apart. At least not in a fight. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. You put two drunks in a room and, and that room may not be standing after the end of the night. Yeah. After Colorado and Washington and everybody has passed it and everybody starts seeing the money that's being generated, it'll come around here. It'll come around here a whole lot quicker if people start pushing for it. But there again, that's another story for another time. I think it would help people, honestly. I think, you know, and with that decriminalization also, you know, you're talking about overcrowding in prisons. How many people would be let loose because they had some they had some weed on them back in the day and there was mandatory minimums, you know, and they went upriver and may not ever see the light of day unless that stuff gets decriminalized and they wipe out those charges. Wouldn't that? You know? Wasn't that something that Momo Ivy was going crazy about last year or so about overcrowding in prisons and having to do this, that, and the other? Yeah, that, sure, that sure would take a lot of revenue out of the system. Oh yeah, how many how many people from here, from Walker <laughs> County, are in prison for selling a little weed? I'd say I haven't <laughs> been I haven't been in that jail and four or five years now i just about yeah. guarantee i just about guarantee you that if they were to decriminalize it right now about half of them would walk out 
Yeah. And they should. Yeah. Because they didn't hurt nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? I agree. I agree. But That's what I was telling these, you. Know, prohibition taught this country absolutely nothing. Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you what, though. These, these, these meth cooks and these fentanyl pushers, they need to be under the jail. I agree. Because they aren't doing anything. They aren't doing anything for the community whatsoever, but destroying it. No. Anyway, that's anywhere. That's not just Walker County. That's anywhere. Yeah. Arkansas is a whole lot worse than we are. Yeah. You know, as far as fentanyl and other stuff goes. But yeah. You know, just as far as as far as your your show that's or your movie, is it gonna be a movie or is it gonna be a you a, know I'm a TV series or what? I'm pitching it. I'm pitching it as a movie. Um, I'm going to shoot it as a movie if I get funding. Um, but it could work as a TV show. You know, it could be one of those things. I'm watching Justified for the first time. I know it's been off the air like 20 years, but I'm watching Justified right now, and it could work as a as a southern like a southern show like that. You know, because yeah. um, Justified was basically set in Harlan County, Kentucky. You know. There's no reason I couldn't set something in. Well, I don't use real names. I don't right. use real places, right? So I created this whole this little town called Muddy Waters because of the Warrior River, you know, that runs through here. Yep. Um, yeah, and, it's and about it's Lake, about obviously it's about a mile from me right now, actually. Yeah. So you know, and I, I like I like to showcase the natural beauty of the area too, right? And that's that's one of the one of the opening shots is or I plan the one of the opening shots that I've got planned is, you know, you see this nice, pristine river or creek or lake bank or whatever. And then, boom, there's a body. Right. And it shatters the whole the whole like facade of this is nature's beauty and it's perfect and pristine. And it is that way until it's not that way, you know? And then that, that sets off the whole, the whole thing, right? Is that you find, they find this body floating in the Creek and they're like, why is this dead body here? And there we go. (laughs) You know, I like it in this. Are you going to take advantage of some of the new drone technology and help film some stuff that way or? I think so. I think I'm going to um, give in to my my urges to to shoot with a drone on on a lot of this because there's a lot of like tracking shots and again it would it would be a, a useful tool to show the creek right so you follow the creek up until you find this body and it's just this pristine drone shot you know the whole way until it's not pristine anymore. Have you seen that show on H? I think it's on HBO called True Detective. There's like oh, two. Yeah. There's like two or three seasons of it. Yeah, I really liked the first two seasons. I I hadn't watched the third one yet, but I loved how it was more dark. Yeah, it's, I, it's I, definitely I, got a dark tone <clears throat> for sure. Yes. My my story definitely has a dark tone. Yeah. Um. If it but there's feels moments of levity. I'm not necessarily just talking about the dark. I'm talking about there is a lot of dark, but it feels more feels more authentic. Yeah. Does that make does that make sense? Yeah. 
I mean, I think I think that's what I'm I'm going for some authenticity, you know. And then of course, I've got some quirky, crazy little moments in there because it's Walker County, basically, you know. Oh, and you God. can't walk around Walker County without running into some quirky, weird characters. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> so it's kind of like it's it's very it's very if you've never seen Twin Peaks, you should go watch it. Um, but it's very, it's very Twin Peaks at moments. It's actually, it, it's actually on my list. I haven't sat down and watched it yet, but it's in my list of things to watch. It's a, it's definitely a, uh, I wouldn't say an acquired taste because it'll suck you in. Um, but it, it, it does drag on after a minute, but lots of uh, David Lynch stuff does. But I love Twin Peaks. And I never watched it as a kid because, you know, I was a kid. <laughs> you right. know, I was watching Bugs Bunny and Scooby-Doo. But once I got old enough to understand it, I'm like, this is this is good stuff. And there's weird little, like I said, there's weird little quirky characters in there. And I don't know if he based them off real people or whatever, but my weird little quirky characters are not necessarily a single person, but maybe a a combination of different people in one character if that makes sense makes sense so you take the best part of so-and-so and the best part of this other so-and-so and you put them together and then you take the worst part of this other so-and-so and throw that in there and there you go you know you've got a character that's flawed and perfect at the same time and got a little bit of depth yeah and you know some of my characters in this, they don't have a lot of depth at first, but you learn and not necessarily with them telling you, but you see the way they behave and you see the way they act and you see how they interact with other people. And you under, you start to understand who they are through that. One, one of my main characters, he's a, he's a scrappy little dude that may or may not be a meth head. I don't know, but He's a lovable little scrappy little dude that, you know, he uh, he makes you love him <laughs> like a little brother. You know what I mean? Um, and he he's a conglomerate of several different people that I know. And I say I say meth head is a generic term, right? Like, right. you know, somebody that has a problem and. But they're they're good as gold, right? And we all know those people. They have a problem, but their heart is in the right place. If nothing else in their body is in the right place, their heart is. I used to tell guys whenever I was working in the jail as a jailer, you are not your mistake. Meaning you are not whatever action puts you in here. And, you know, it. Sometimes I think like you were talking about, you're, you're worried about, you know, the, the judgment of, of whatever. I think that was where you were going with that. I, I just learned over the years, you know, you can like or love a person. You just don't have to agree with every action that they do. Oh yeah. And you know, it's, it's a lot of, a lot of people that work in the jail don't see it that way. No, they don't. I've never, I've never been to jail, but I know people that have, and I know people that have worked there and they don't see them as you're a person that made a mistake. Yeah. You're a, a person, but you're a mistake. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of a lot of people, and it's I'm sure it's easy to get jaded working there. It's very a long time. It's very easy. It's very. But easy. you still gotta you still gotta look at these people like they're people too, and they've got a mother and they've got a father, and you know somebody loves them. Yeah. And I'm not calling any names or anything like that. It's not what I'm wanting to do here. I've still got some friends no. that work down there. And, you know, some people that I worked with over that whole time, time span thought that they were above the inmates. Yeah. I'm the type that I put my pants on one leg at a time, just like anybody else. You, and I'm just throwing this out there to make my point. Okay. You might be better off than me meaning you may have more money or you may have more popularity or this, that, and the other, or anybody for that matter, they might be better than or better off than me, but nobody is better than me. And I'm not any better than anybody else. We're all the same, Yeah, you know, and I would have conversations and everything with different people that worked there and would get to talking about this, that, and the other. And I would say, did you ever smoke weed? Well, yeah. Yeah, I did. Did you ever get caught? No. How many times did you go out to a bar or anything? You know, Lord knows we got plenty of them around around Jasper, and I'm not knocking it whatsoever. I have partaken. Not anymore. You know, but you know what I mean, what we used to. Yeah. Well, you o- O'Malley, O'Malley's used to be a, a big hot spot to go. I used to go there oh, a lot. Yeah. You know, O'Malley's was a, tea times, Greenhorn, yeah. Harrison's. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how many times they'll be like, well, yeah, I used to go to this place. Okay. How many times do you have, have possibly a few too many and then decide to drive home? Well, there was a few times. Did you ever get caught? No. I was like, all right, then the difference between you and them is at one point in time, they decided to do something like that and they got caught and you didn't. Yep. That's the only difference. I always go back to, uh, and it's comic book, but in, in, uh, Batman, the killing joke, right? Mm-hmm. Joker looks at commissioner Gordon. He's like, it just takes one bad day. That's it. You're one day away from me. You know, that's, it. that's all it takes. That was a fantastic story, by the way. Oh, I'll yeah, try it. Not trying to segue too much, but you know, I no, yeah, I've always, it definitely was. I've always been a big comic fan, and these movies that have come out have been taking pieces from each story. And I'm like, why? You've got the best source material right here. Just do the stories. Oh, yeah. Did you see the new Batman yet? I have. Oh, I loved it. The Batman came across to me a little bit too goth. Eh, or emo you know. or whatever you know i he lives he lives in a cave <laughs> that's true that's true but I, and he just happens to have a shit ton of money <laughs> yeah oh uh, we're you know we're basically the same age I, I grew up with michael keaton and you know adam west <laughs> but yeah oh yeah adam you know, west I, man i remember being outraged as a six-year-old when adam west wasn't playing batman in the movie <laughs> right like, <laughs> you know but i love i loved keaton I really did. Yeah. Um, but there again, you're a Batman fan, as am I. Superman is king, but I, I do love some Batman. 
I can't oh. stand Superman. <laughs> I can't. You know, have you seen have you seen the boys on Amazon? Uh-uh. I hadn't seen it you yet. Sh- you should you should check out the boys. It's a uh there there's a character called Homelander who is basically the way I've always seen Superman. He's like, I'm better than you and I know it. Well, see, I don't, he, he I don't see sense. Superman that way. You know, it one bad day, right? One bad day. Right. And they've explored that in Superman comics here and there. Um, I, I got to tell you, my favorite Superman movie was Superman 2 with Richard Pryor. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was my favorite one. I, um, I've, al- I've always viewed Superman as like a godlike figure that was trying to be human and even batman was quoted in a couple of stories and everything he's the most human person among us all yeah you know he always he's always trying to be low-key or at least clark is anyway trying to be low-key just trying to fit in trying to get along he's always you know his his heart and mind's always in the right place you know I like my heroes flawed though. You know what I mean? I like <clears throat> a flawed hero. He's got a lot of flaws yeah. though. But you know, he don't have near as many as Batman. No. Opinion. Or and or I, Tony or Tony Stark for that matter. True. Yeah, <laughs> I I was having this conversation when I know whenever we were leaving the theater and everything with my girlfriend's little boy. I watch Batman movies not, or read Batman comics or watch the animated movies. Yes, I'm a 40-year-old man that still watches cartoon movies. But aren't we all? <laughs> right? But some of those watch, DC, some of those DC Batman movies are really good. Yes, they are. But I I watch though, I don't watch or read Batman for Batman. I read it for the villains. Yeah. You know, and I thought uh what was his name? The dude who played Riddler, Paul, was it Paul? Paul Dano. Yeah, Paul Dano. Yeah. I, I My personal opinion, and you, you, you tell me, I thought he was on most Heath Ledger level. You know, as, as, as a fan, I get a lot of hate because I do not like Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker. I don't. Okay. If you could have taken, and it maybe it's the makeup, maybe that's maybe it's the scars and the makeup that I didn't care for, because you know I'm a Jack guy, Jack Nicholson. I love C.J. Romero. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm that guy. Yeah. Um, well, didn't the but, creators of Joker flat out say that they had Nicholson in mind when they created the character? Because they had just watched the. Uh, what was the name of that movie? The movie where he came through the door with the axe, the shining. Oh, the shining. Yeah. Yeah. They had just watched that or whatever. And they was like, yeah, that's, that's who we want. <laughs> I, that's yeah. what I've always heard anyway. Um, but you know, the Heath Ledger character added a, added an element to it, I suppose. Um, and I, again, you know, I really, I really liked the new Batman movie. Um, the when I first started seeing previews of it or, or trailers or whatnot, I'm like, I, I got my doubts about this whole this version of the Riddler, you know, because the Riddler for the longest time has been like the most flamboyant, you know, out there character. 
We, um, we grew up with Jim Carrey playing. Well, Jim Carrey, but also if you got if you look back at Batman sixty six, Frank Gorshin and um yes. John John Aston, Gomez yes. Adams played the Riddler for a season. Yes. You know, and they were all over the top and, and wild and out with it. Um but I that wouldn't have fit the tone of the Batman, you know. No. Um so they had he had to be this almost Heath Ledger ish character, I guess with, you know, he's going through some sort of inner turmoil because of, you know, I'm not going to give any spoilers. Right. Um, but the reason, and maybe it's because I'm working on a detective film now, but the reason why I enjoyed the Batman so much was because they actually took a step back and was like, okay, Batman's a detective. Let's explore that. Because if you look at any of the others, even the Michael Keaton Batman, he didn't get to like sit down and decipher things, right? Right. It was just like action, 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 action. And I hear a lot of people complain because there's not that much action in the new, the Batman. But when there is action, it's like, oh, wow, you know, edge of your seat kind of stuff. But there's a lot of like dead moments, too where he's just trying to figure everything out. Yeah. You know, and, and for the longest time, Batman's been known as the world's greatest detective. But you've never seen never, him actually be a detective in the movies. Right. Until this one. Right. And the way that he worked so closely with commissioner Gordon, who I don't think he was commissioner yet. Right. He's still a detective. It's like his unofficial partner. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, he kind of filled the role of Robin in this movie, I guess. And then just the way they shot it too. Like it's kind of like, it's not, I, I keep telling people it's a, it's, it's neo noir, but it's not really neo noir because it doesn't really fall in the same visual aspect of say Blade Runner. Right. So it's more so like a classic film noir, you know, like a Humphrey Bogart kind of movie, you know, except it's, it's Batman instead of, you know, Humphrey Bogart, I guess. The one, one of the critiques that I had about that movie was again, he, he kind of, he wasn't, he's not my favorite Batman. My favorite Batman would either be Michael Keaton or Ben Affleck that might catch some heat, but, just what it is. Hey, I loved um, Affleck as Batman. I did too. I really did. He he nailed that Frank Miller look. Yes, you know? he did. He yes, did. He did. Um, it was perfect for that for that version of Batman. Ben Affleck was perfect. Yes, I love like you were talking about. I love the interactions with Commissioner Gordon, and I love or excuse me, I think he was Sergeant or a Lieutenant Gordon in this. But, yeah, I think um, he was Lieutenant. You know. I loved the the feel of Gotham City because Gotham City's always or New York's always been called Gotham City, and he, they actually showed Times Square and everything like that. Whereas Christian Bale versions, it was filmed in Chicago. Yeah, so it kind of had a more of a a true, as I hold up Doctor Evil quotation marks, Gotham City yeah. feel. <laughs> um, the one one thing that I didn't like was in the in the moments you could hear him walking. 
it's a small critique, but the Batman that I remember, you you didn't hear him come walking up through the rooms and everything in boots. The yeah, you know, he just dropped out. It, it did. It did. But, you know, in, in the movies beforehand, you just hear music build up and then he'd just appear out of the top and go, I'm Batman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? They never called him Batman in this movie, though. Not once. He was always vengeance. That was it. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I kind of like that. It's kind of yeah. like it's not really Batman year one, but it's borderlining on Batman year one. You it know had I mean? a year one feel. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah. and I, I just, I dig the costume. I dig the, I dig the Batmobile. I love that Batmobile. It had the turbine, right? Yes. What, what was the big thing in Batman 66, you know, ignition turbines to speed, you know, and then they would take off out of the cave. <laughs> yeah. I thought the, I can't remember her. I can't remember her name. The one who played Catwoman. I thought oh, she Zoe did. Kravitz. Yeah, I thought she did really well too. Yeah, and that that interaction with them was classic. It was it was straight out of the comic books. Their interactions, you yes, know? it was. My one critique, and I know they're going to get to it, but my one critique was he got to see her without her mask, but she never got to see him without his. And I'm sure they're going to build to it. Are they going to end up having a kid and he never takes his mask off? <laughs> Are there going to be any future movies based off of this particular version of Batman? Man, I hope so. I do too. It left it so open-ended, you know, there at the end when he's, he's talking to his cohort there in Arkham (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's just a little hint, right? It's nothing huge. You don't see anybody, but you hear. Yeah. I love that, that foreshadowing and that kind of keeping everything in the dark. And, you know, I'll tell people I'm weird. Like, I want to know the end of movies before I go in to watch it. Right. So I don't care about spoilers. Me for either. me, it's not for me. It's not about the end. It's how they get there. It's it's That's about enough. the journey, not the destination. I usually ask people, like, if they go and see the movie or whatever, I'll ask people that I trust if it's worth my time and money. Yeah. I want spoilers. That way I'll know if I want to go and spend the $75 nowadays to go to a movie. Theater. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I didn't, I didn't go to the theater and watch it. I waited till it came out on HBO max. <laughs> but I, I actually went to the theater and watched it. I, I enjoyed the theater experiences. Not that I don't, I just didn't want to go out to see that one. I went to see Halloween, the new Halloweens. I saw those in theaters. <laughs> actually, no, it? I didn't see the, I didn't see the second one. In theaters, I waited till it came on HBO Max, but I did watch it. I saw the first one in theaters. The last movie that we saw in theaters, my wife is a huge a huge Scream fan, uh huh. So we went, so we went to see the new Scream in theaters, and it was awesome. I'm not, I'm personally, I'm not a huge Scream fan. I Nor, did it kind of sort of, but you I know, like, for me, for me, Wes Craven was Freddy Krueger, you know, and that was that was it. Freddy Krueger and like last house on the left. And I know he's got this big, wonderful catalog of work that includes scream and scream. It grows on me. You know what I mean? It's kind of like the Rob zombie Halloween movies. They grew on me after a while. The scream has kind of grown on me over the years, but I wasn't like a huge fan when it came out. 
nor was I. In later years, I appreciated the concept because it was something different. You know, because you, you know how it was. All as soon as Halloween came out, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out, Friday the Thirteenth came out, and after yeah. all of those successes, everybody started trying to make the same thing, and then yeah. it all ended up holiday based. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Well, you know the the they talk about they talk about the history of slasher films. The first actual slasher movie was two years before Halloween. And it was, uh, it may have been two years. It may have been a little longer, but black Christmas, you know, black Christmas is considered the first slasher movie by people that are just like, you know, real, real purists about the genre. But what a lot of people don't know is that black Christmas was directed by the same person that directed a Christmas story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So he made a career off Christmas movies. One a very good comedy and one a, a very good slasher. So one thing that hurt me as far as going to see horror movies in the theater was whenever the purge came out. I, I told you earlier I, I liked dark and crazy stuff in my horror movies. But I loved the concept. Like twelve hours or whatever it is, everything you you could basically do anything you wanted to except for murder a elected official. Yeah, uh, I was like, oh. funny how that works out, though, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. That's the only thing you can't do is touch yeah. an elected official. Yeah. And then you'd hear in the news that in the news reports where they'd cut into the movie, oh, two hundred people showed up at the square at Dallas to purge themselves or whatever. I was like, why ain't they showing that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Instead of just centering around that one family. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm not giving any spoilers. That movie's old, and if you hadn't seen it yet, it's your fault. But when I was sitting there with a friend and I was late 20s, but I guess by that time I was close to being 30. I can't even remember when that movie came out. Anyway, me and a friend of mine were the old people in the in the crowd, obviously. And, you know, all of the all the kids were starting to cheer the the dad whenever he was starting to pick them off one at a time. And I was like, this is a bull crap. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then cheer the dad. (laughs) <laughs> then whenever then whenever the dad got killed i stood up and did a gus miles on fist pump and went yes <laughs> main, main, mainly just to aggravate the kids now I, you should have yeah. seen the looks that i got they're like this dude's crazy yeah but people I mean, you going, don't go to those movies to cheer on the good guys no i've no i've always cheered jason and freddie and michael you know leatherface Unless it's like, you know, Lori Strode, I'm not, or Ash Williams, right. I'm cheering on the other side of things, right? Right. But Ash Williams, he's a, he's a little evil, I bet. You know, he's got a little, little dirt in him somewhere. Oh, yeah. He does. You don't cut your own hand off and attach a chainsaw to it if you're not a, at least a little bit of a bad guy. <laughs> it, it's there. There again, yeah. one ba- one wrong day. One wrong day <laughs> or one bad day, yeah. John, I appreciate um, you coming on to the show, my friend. I really do. Man, I appreciate you having me. I'll come back anytime you need me to. <laughs> I'll, I'll hold you to that. Where can the people find you? Um, I am on uh, Twitter. I, I'm on Twitter a lot, uh, at John M. Ware. 
And then uh, Instagram is at John M. Ware 80. And then I'm on TikTok at John M. Ware. I think it's 80 at the end of it, too. I'm not sure. Uh, let me look real quick. Hang on. Okay. TikTok was, uh, is at John M. Ware. And there's a period at the end, at the, after the M. And on uh, Instagram, it's John M. Dot Ware 80. Where can they find your films? Three Days Dead is actually available on YouTube. I got tired of fighting with the distribution people about it, and I said, screw it. I recut the whole thing and put it on YouTube. Um, you're going to want to look for the director's cut, though, because otherwise there's a really bad sci-fi version that's on there. But, yeah, if you if you want to find uh, Three Days Dead, go to YouTube and type in Three Days Dead, thr three three days dead the director's cut um and then the show is actually still on amazon you can go to the amazon it's like 1399 town of the living dead john i appreciate you coming on the porch my friend you're welcome anytime you want to come back all right brother i'll hit you up for sure don't 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 (laughs) i'm telling you i might wear out my welcome (laughs) bring it big thanks to john ware for coming on to the porch Go find him on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok and tell him you heard him on Porch Matters. I will share the link for Three Days Dead on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find Town of the Living Dead on Amazon. If you are new to the show and like what you hear, hit that like, subscribe, or follow button and download the episodes in our archives. If this show has been a positive addition to your life, please rate the show and leave a review. Won't take you but a minute and it really would help the show. Find us on social media by typing Porch Matters Podcast under the search bar. Word of mouth is still the best way of sharing. Pick your favorite episode and share it with at least one person this week. There are a lot of people out there that have never heard of a podcast before. I sure would appreciate it. And I'll see you next time right here on Porch Matters.